Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus the Lord. Amen. The text for our message this morning is the Gospel lesson. The Gospel lesson, the reading we have from the Gospel, puts us, you might say, in the middle. The reading from the Gospel puts us in the middle of Jesus' ministry throughout Galilee and other parts, not at the beginning, not at the end. Our reading from the Gospel puts us in the middle. You might say geographically. Jesus is going from one part to another. He's traveling from one shore to another. He's going from one region to another. This gospel puts us, you might say, in the middle. In the middle of a lake. In the middle of a storm. And as it is, in the beginning of the gospel, and at the end of the gospel, the middle of the gospel makes known to us the true identity of Jesus as the son of Abraham and the son of David, as the Christ and the son of the living God, and leads us to listen to him, to believe in him, to follow him. So what was Jesus doing here in the middle? What was Jesus in the middle of doing? As Matthew puts it, Jesus was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every infirmity. The teaching of Jesus is summed up in the Sermon on the Mount. The preaching of Jesus is summed up in this message, Repent, for the reign of the heavens is at hand. And the healing of Jesus was for any and all who came to him with any and all afflictions, ailments, diseases, uncleanness, even demons. He fulfilled what was said through the prophet Isaiah. He bore our infirmities and he took our diseases. Jesus is in the middle here. In the middle of his mission, in the middle of a trip, in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a nap, when suddenly a storm strikes. And it's a bad storm. We have the proverbial howling winds and pounding seas. It's a bad storm, and pretty soon it's bad news. The boat is taking on water. And the disciples, you might say, act in a bad way. They panic. They turn to Jesus, who is sleeping the storm out, wake him up, and cry out, Lord, save, we are perishing. Jesus responds by saying, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Is it chiding? Is it a rebuke? We can't be sure. But we can be sure that what Jesus said next, he meant, because he gets up and he says, he tells the wind, the seas, the storm to calm down. And there is a great calm. The disciples had been fearing for their lives, but now they have the fear of the Lord. And in their amazement, in their wonderment, in their marveling, they say, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, this is not systematic theological inquiry. This is not a request for information. This is an exclamation. After all, they have some kind of idea of what kind of man Jesus is. 
Otherwise, they would not have been in the boat with Jesus. They would have not been in the storm with Jesus. They have some idea of what sort of man he is. Otherwise, they wouldn't have turned to him as their only hope. They've seen what he has done. They have seen him cast out demons and heal the sick. They have heard him preach, and they have heard him teach as one with authority. They have some idea that the authority of God, that the power of God is with him. They have some idea of what sort of man he is. But obviously, Jesus exceeds their expectations. He doesn't just have authority from God. He has the authority of God. He speaks, and it is done. He says something, and the winds die down. He doesn't just have power from God. He has the power of God himself. He commands, and it is obeyed. He commands the seas to die down, and they grow calm. He is, as uh, Matthew would say near the beginning of his gospel, Emmanuel, that is God with us. He is, to borrow from one of Jesus' parables, not a servant of God, but the Son of God. He has, as Jesus would say at the end of the gospel, all authority in heaven and on earth. What sort of man is this? The Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son of David, the King of Israel, the Lord. That's the sort of man Jesus is. And that's the sort of man he reveals in calming the storm. That's the sort of man he was. That is the sort of man he is. And that's the sort of man he will be forever and ever. There's another question, of course. If Jesus is this sort of man, and he is, then what sort of people ought you to be? I suppose the first thing that should be said is that you are already his people. You are disciples because he said so. You are disciples by virtue of your baptism. You are disciples. You are his people. You are his followers because he called you, he chose you, he redeemed you, he forgave you. That's the kind of people you are. That's the sort of people he says you are. And yet the question stands, if Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, if all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, then what does it mean for us, what does it mean for you to be his people? Well, we could discuss this endlessly. Maybe we should, but we won't do that this morning. Well, let me bring up uh, just one dimension of this. It has to do with mission. Uh, near the end of his career, Leslie Newbegin, a noted missionary and mission thinker, somebody, someone that uh, most of you probably have read, said, In discussions about the contemporary mission of the church, it is often said that the church ought to address itself to the real questions which people are asking. That is to misunderstand the mission of Jesus and the mission of the church. 
The world's questions are not the questions which lead to life. What really needs to be said is that where the church is faithful to its Lord, there the powers of the kingdom are present, and people begin to ask the question, to which the gospel is the answer. Uh, Yesterday, I met Dr. Seleska briefly, and... uh, I told him that I was preaching today, and he asked him what text, and I explained it was this one, and he said, oh, that's a softball for you. And that's the problem. I end up saying the same old thing over and over. I told that to uh, Professor Lewis, and he said, yeah, but we only have to listen to you once a quarter. At the risk of being a theologian of glory, you might say that I try to major in the majors, but I'll let other people judge that. But there are some things that the church today, the church in America, Lutherans here in America, fall into over and over again. And one of those things is taking things for granted. Taking for granted the identity of God. Taking for granted the authority of the scriptures. Taking for granted the identity of Jesus. Taking for granted the question, what sort of man is this? I was looking at the uh, synodical catechism, the explanation part for, the, for Luther's small catechism, and under the question, who is Jesus Christ, the answer is this. He is, quote, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, period, close quotes. In a certain way, it doesn't even answer the question. He does not answer who he is, but what he is. The catechism would say, he is my Lord. It would lead us to believe that he is our Redeemer, the one who died for our sins, the one who lives and reigns to all eternity. Now, Jesus is true God and true man, divine and human in one person, not denying that. Well, the question here is, do we take seriously Jesus' identity? We've lived for so long, the church has existed for so long in a Christian context where the identity of God, where the authority of the scriptures, where the identity of Jesus could be taken for granted that we've lost the ability to answer basic questions. What sort of man is this? We have correct answers, but maybe not good answers. We have correct answers such as atoning sacrifice, savior, redeemer, friend. But Jesus as Lord, Jesus as the one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus as the one we have to deal with in life and in death, Well, perhaps not. But if Jesus really is the one whose word can calm the winds and the seas, if Jesus really is the one whose word can do any and all things, if Jesus is the one whom God has appointed to be the judge of the living and the dead, 
If Jesus is the one through whom, by whom, there is redemption, there is forgiveness, and there is life, then we should take seriously the question, what sort of man he is. And we should take it seriously, not only, you might say, in a systematic theological way, having the right answer, but embody it in our lives. Which means trusting in him for all things. Trusting, depending, looking to him for all matters of our lives. Not only in so-called spiritual ways, but in all ways. That can be hard. Ours is a society which is work, work, work. Catholic philosopher Joseph Pieper calls it, called it a culture of total work. Now we have lunch breaks. And what are they breaks from? Work. We have coffee breaks. Our vacations are breaks from work. Work, work, work. As if everything depended on us. Now, certainly we have our responsibilities. We have our vocations. We have our callings. We have those whom we should depend on and those that, who depend on us. And yet, in this, as in all things, it's not all up to us. And that, of course, extends then, and this gets to the mission part, even the notion of mission. As some of you know, I have uh, been thinking over, on and off over the last several years the question, when is outreach a really bad idea? I'm not saying that outreach as such is a bad idea, but there are some times, there are some occasions, there are some circumstances in which it's a really bad idea. And one of those is when the difference that Christ makes, the difference that faith makes, the difference that the gospel makes is only internal and personal. That it has no bearing on our lives. It has no bearing on the future, except in a spiritual, ethereal, heavenly way that we think that we have to do something because if people look at us, they won't know what kind of people we are. We don't live, you might say, by faith in the Son of God. We don't live as if Jesus' word commands all things. We don't live as if he's that sort of man. And so we make mission our responsibility. Newbegin earlier says we make mission into a work of the law and therefore becomes a burden, not a joy. Well, there are two responses to that. One is, don't do that. That, by the way, is the law. But the other is this. Remember. Jesus is that sort of man. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And the one who came to make you his people. The one who came to save you from your sins and all its effects. The one who has promised you eternal life and salvation. And the one who watches over you even now. No matter what you face in this life. No matter what you face in this time. You will rise again just as he did. You will live forever just as he does now. 
and therefore, don't live for the moment. Don't live for yourselves. Live for the God who saved you and sent his son, and live for your neighbor. Because Jesus will take care of you. He has promised to. He can. He will. That's the sort of man he is. Thanks be to God.